Hi guys, this is Chris Lyons. I'm Daryl Sabon. Marcus Hudgay. David Lucas. I'm Glenn Lovens. I'm Daniel Pudil. And I love listening to the Wednesday Till I Die podcast. Hello and welcome to the Wednesday Till I Die podcast. Uh, my name's James uh, and I'll be honest, I feel a bit lost today. I've not got my sidekick with me, uh, or over half as some of you like to call him. Uh, unfortunately, work's got to come first, but Jamie will be back on the next one, rest assured. Now I'm joined by yet another former Owl today. Uh, he's played 60 games for Sheffield Wednesday, scored 12 goals, mainly penalties, I'll be honest, but they do all count. Uh, he's played for Ipswich, Hartlepool, Sunderland, Huddersfield, Swindon, Bury, Halifax, and of course Sheffield Wednesday. He's now the current manager of Spennymore Town. Uh, this intro is getting a bit long, so I'll, uh, I will end it there. Uh, it's Tommy Miller, everyone. How are you, mate? You all right? Good evening, mate. Yeah, I'm all good. All good. Thanks for having me on. No problem. That was uh, it's quite quite an intro, that one, wasn't it? It was a long one, that. I went on a bit. bit. <laughs> Tell me about <laughs> it. Um, now, I always like to start these off by starting at the, you know, the beginning of your, of your career. So, um, obviously, as a, as a young boy, you, you started at Ipswich, didn't you? Now, obviously... By your accent, you're from the northeast, aren't you? So I, I, I did, I did that all come about going down all the way to Ipswich. Yeah, there was a sort of a scout up in the northeast um, working for Ipswich at the time, and he used to cover a lot of our games on a Sunday. I played for a local team called Shot and Colry Boys. Um, he asked me to go down on trial. Um, I went to a few different clubs: Sheffield United being one, Man United, um, and Everton. Went to Ipswich, got a good feel for it. Uh, they offered me schoolboy forms and, and signed two years there and, and got released just before I was 16, which I was devastated, really. Yeah, um, and then when you left Ipswich, you went to, to Hartlepool. Is that is Hartlepool like a, a local club for yourself? Or? It is. It's about 10 minutes from where I'm from. So it, it was perfect. You know, I got lucky, got in, got in the, the youth team um, and, and sort of did quite well. And then obviously... Got into the into the first team and, and it went from there really and ended up back at Ipswich. Yeah, now obviously you when you look at your career, obviously you've you've, you've started kind of I don't want to say at the bottom because it obviously went non-league, would it? But you've, you know you've you've come in from like Division Three and then you've you've worked your way uh, worked your way all, all up. Did you when you started at like at, at Hartlepool? Did you ever see yourself making it up to the to the big time like you did? Well, I think once I got released from Ipswich as a 16-year-old kid, I thought probably that was the end of my dream, you know, being a footballer. Uh, and like I say, I went to Hartlepool, started growing. I, I was five foot two, five foot three when I got leave, uh, released from Ipswich at 16-year-old. Uh, so I was a late developer. Um, went in the youth team at Hartlepool, did well, got into the first team and did well, scored some goals and, and got a move. And then obviously I'm in the Premier League, so it all happened pretty quick after that. And uh, but no, I thoroughly, it was a good grounding for me, you know, going playing in the lower leagues and, and sort of mixing yeah. it with some experienced professionals, you know, getting kicked a few times. Um, and I've always said, sort of, the higher you go, the easier it is because you're playing with better players. You've just got to be better with the ball. The lower you go down, it's it's tough because you don't get as much time on the ball. And, you know, you, you're coming up against lads who just want to kick you and nip you and all sorts. But it was a, it was a great grounding for me. And, uh Hartlepool's a great club. You said they're nipping. Is, is that really what happens? <laughs> yeah. I remember playing against one lad called uh, Gary Brabham. Uh, and he used to be a doorman, an ex-doorman. So that sort of just summed it all built, up. Built and, like a brick shithouse. Oh, massive. Absolute ram man. Um, sort of shoulders on him, huge. Uh, and, and the night before I was playing him, I mean, I played against him a few times. It was like, I'm never ever sort of worried about playing against other opposition players or anything like that. But, the night before, it was like, I'm playing against him tomorrow. And I just knew that I was in for a tough game. He would be nipping me, be pulling me, be kicking me off the ball. Uh, yeah, he was he was a tough competitor. Who, who were you playing for then? That... that was for Hartlepool, yeah. And he was playing for Blackpool at the time. Um, and I think he could head it as, as far as he could kick it, really. But, I mean, a good competitor. And, yeah, he was quite dirty off the ball. And there was another lad called John Schofield as well, who was just as bad. Uh, he was from Doncaster, so it was. But like I say, it was a good ground, and, and, it, and it made us sort of who I was. You know, who I, I enjoyed that battle and, and got through it. Yeah. So did that not kind of carry on going up the rank? We know you get into the Premier League. That that don't really happen. No, not particular. I think when you're sort of in the lower levels, there's a reason why they're there. You know, lads who's maybe his mid twenties, thirties, they maybe he's not good enough to to make it up the ladder. And obviously, they see a young lad like yourself coming through into the first team, loads of energy, you know, running around all over, 
And I think they just basically tried to stop me, you know, stop me from getting a kick and stop me getting forward. And so they'll do anything they can. And at that level, there was a few around you. Yeah. Now, look at, looking at your career as well, you you were at Ipswich three times, weren't you, during your, during your career? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> a bit like a... Uh, but like a boomerang, you know, he didn't uh, <laughs> back, back to it. It was, and I kept going back. I mean, got released from the schoolboy. You'd think I'd had enough of the place and obviously devastated. The train journey home, I was heartbroken. And um, and then Ipswich came in for me, agreed a fee with Hartlepool. Um, a couple of other clubs did as well. So I had the option of uh, sort of three or four clubs. And I went back to Ipswich um, just because I, I knew the place and, yeah. Uh, I knew the club to a certain extent and I thought I had unfinished business there and had four good years, ended up going to Sunderland and then Ipswich came in again and I ended up going back again. Uh, yeah. Mainly, uh, Jim McGillan was the manager at the time and obviously I played with him, uh, yeah. Chevy Wednesday player and uh, that's the reason why I went back for the third time. What, what was he like, Jim? What was he like as a manager? Um, as a player, first and foremost, very good player, you know, very comfortable on the ball. Ipswich loved him, you know, excellent. Uh, he'd have the, he just demanded the ball anywhere on the field. And if, if you didn't give him the ball, he would just fall out with you. You know, he wouldn't speak to you for a week. <laughs> he was that sort of character, but dead fiery. You know, he just wanted to win. Uh, and as a manager, I think when he first broke through at Ipswich, he was still sort of joining in with the training a little bit. And he still had that fire in his belly and he still sort of tried to kick you, you know. And, and I think... He found it hard initially to sort of go from being a player to manager straight away, which people do, you know, the, the transition. Uh, you're sort of dealing with all the players instead of being their mates and being their friends. Um, but he did well, you know, at Ipswich. He, he knocked on the door a few times of the playoffs and it, it was a shame that he got the bullet, really, because I think if he'd have been given a bit of money, i.e. like a Roy Keane or other managers who came in after him, I think he would have gotten Ipswich to where they, where they would have been. Yeah. Good stuff. Now I'm going to, you know, talk about your time at Sheffield Wednesday. So, yeah. you know, you signed for Sheffield Wednesday back in 2009. Um, it was Brian Laws, weren't it, that that brought that brought you in? Um, can Can you remember what it was like when you first arrived at, at Sheffield Wednesday and how that deal came about? Yeah, the deal came about. I think it was it was around about March, mid March, and my contract was coming towards an end at Ipswich. Um, and Jim was the manager, and, I, and Jim Morris said to me, "Listen." There's new owners coming in. Uh, if we're not in the playoffs, I'll not be here. Um, I can't do anything with contracts at the minute. If you can get yourself sorted, get yourself sorted. So my agent at the time sort of made a few phone calls and, and Brian Laws uh, showed an interest. On the, um, I think it was the M18 somewhere in a hotel um, <laughs> round about April time and, and everything got agreed then. Uh, so I knew where I was going before the season had finished. I mean... The club the size of Sheffield Wednesday, it was a great move for me. Uh, massive club. It got me back north as well, near to home. Um, and it it was just a shame the way it panned out because it, I didn't get off to the best of starts. I think I got injured in the first week in pre-season. Yeah. Uh, got a muscle, a, a tore my thigh muscle. Um, and I was out for six, seven weeks. And anyone who we speak to will tell you, if you miss pre-season, you're always playing catch-up a little bit. And that's... How me sort of, certainly my first year I went to Sheffield Wednesday, it seemed to be injury after injury, muscle injuries, and I'd never had them previously to, to come to Sheffield Wednesday. Well, you mentioned pre-season. Did you not go to Malta then? Oh, I went to Malta. Oh, wow. It, it wasn't a pre-season trip. It was a stag trip. It was a stag do. I, I, I'm still trying to find out who's, who's getting married. I'm, I'm desperate <laughs> to find out because I'm selling you there was a secret when going on after we got back from Mola because we, we, we pulled up on the bus and you literally we are stopping bang central in, bet- in between everything I think you looked out your hotel window there was bars all over you looked out the other side of the hotel there was the beach and bars as well on the beach and it was it was pretty surreal I was thinking who's booked this and I was injured at the time so the lads are sort of Manager Brian, he said, listen, you can have a, a couple of pints, you know, as long as you do it within reason, you know, we don't want to go daft and stuff like that. So lads were out the hotel all the time. And me being the new lad and being injured, I was sort of a bit cautious the first few years. I was thinking, I've got to make a bit of an example here. I can't be going out drinking and that. And then 
I think by the time the, the sort of last night came, I, I was out because <laughs> the, the, the lads were just doing it all the time. It was it was crazy. Um, who, were the, but, who were the antagonists then? Who were the who were the ones that the big? Well, Mickey was up there. Mickey Gray liked to get out and about. Obviously, experienced that he was out and about. Uh, Leon Clark, um, Etienne Asayas, uh, Jermaine Johnson. I'm sure he was involved in. I mean, it got to the point where we were training the next day and the bus was leaving for training early morning and. Half the lads weren't even on the bus. They were still in bed, or they're just getting in. Probably it's about an hour or two before. And I mean, what's Brian saying yeah, this laugh, time? Then? Well, he's obviously looking at his watch on the front of the bus, and he's like, "Give these lads a ring. Where are they?" And I think he was oblivious to it all. He didn't know lads were getting out and about. <laughs> a night. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Brian were um, Brian Laws, obviously good manager for us, and you know he. I don't think obviously he's not a Sheffield Wednesday fan, but his, you know, his family are obviously you know big Sheffield Wednesday fans. So he's got that kind of um, connection with the club, and I think from from talking to a few different people, like discipline perhaps weren't his strong point, was it really? No, and I think I mean great bloke and he, he, good manager. You know, I mean I got on really well with them. Uh, him and Russ Wilcox, great blokes, uh, and I think he he was obviously brought up in the Brian Clough sort of thing he played under him Brian Clough and you've heard stories about Brian Clough where he'd let lads go and have a pint the day before games and all sorts of stuff so I think with Brian man management you know I think to manage the players and stuff like that and and give them a bit of leeway but I just think the lads took it too far and certainly uh, overstepped the mark really certainly on the the pre-season trip (laughs) yeah I mean before you went did did you have any inkling that it was going to be like that no, no, I mean, like I said, I've gone, massive club, um, everyone's saying we're going to go to Malta for pre-season, you know, good links over there, I mean, supporters over there as well, we had like a barbecue, I think, on the beach one of the nights, and the lads are having a few drinks, and I mean, pre-season trips, you normally go away, and you normally get a night out, maybe it's the, the, the last night, you know, let your hair down, you've worked hard, go and enjoy a few beers, but like I said, lads were... It was too easy for them because we were band central in and amongst it, and it was just so tempting for for certain lads and certainly the younger ones. Drinking with a bit of football, eh? <laughs> drinking <laughs> and football, crazy. <laughs> I wouldn't care the games we played over there. I mean, they weren't a great standard, so I think the lads probably thought, well, might as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, at your time at Sheffield Wednesday, who were you like? Who did you knock around with? Who were you like? Kind of who took to you, kind of thing. Well, I roomed with Franny straight away. Uh, Franny Jeffers yeah. in Malta, uh, and he used to give me some stick because I'm very OCD and stuff, and I like things nice and tidy. And, and Franny would come in after training, you know, especially in Malta, and he's like chucking stuff all over, and I'm going around tidying up after him. And he was like, "Okay, oh, you now it's like being with my wife here," you know. So, uh, but that's just how I was. And uh, yeah, Franny was a good lad, and again another one who had a lot of injury problems with Sheffield Wednesday. We didn't see the best of him, but good lad, Mickey Gray, obviously. You know, North East connections as well, ex Sunderland, uh, great lad. Darren Potter, spent a bit of time with him. Quite and, a lot of um, people mentioned Darren Potter. Like, yeah, as a, a, a fan, Darren Potter, like, he's not one of the people that you, you kind of would have thought that it would be how he is. But everyone, everyone that we've spoken to always says he's, he's like a, a great people person and, uh, and such a laugh and stuff. And he I, is. personally, I just didn't see that from from his yeah, like, the no, way he played football. He's, he's a good lad, he's a good lad, he's a good footballer, and again. Sheffield Wednesday might not have seen the best of him, but he, he, he was a good footballer. Um, and then you've got Neil Miller, Sedgy, Chris Sedgwick, who I'm good friends with. And then sort of in the second year, you've got Nicky Weaver, who I'm good friends with as well, who I still speak to all the time. And he comes on the, well, he goes to Magaluf every year at the same time as me. He sort of jumped <laughs> on that trip with a lot of his mates. And I mean, he's, he's a character as well. Uh, but no, some, some good lads there. And it was just a shame that, it didn't work out as, as best as I would have liked it to, really. Yeah. Would you say there were any clicks and what have you in the dressing room? I know there always is, but what, what was it like at the time? Um, no, I wouldn't say. I think that's it too easy to say the cop out. You know, I think we're all trying to pull in the same boat, but it was just one of them uh, injuries to certain players at key times in the season. And you're only as good as the league team suggesting at the end of the day we got relegated because we weren't good enough as, as a yeah, team, which was, was disappointing. The squad were quite threadbare, weren't it? To be to be fair, we didn't have uh, we didn't have a great deal of depth. Let's let's say, and like you, like you said, you had a few you had a few injuries that season, and that kind of cost us a little bit, didn't it? Really? Yeah, there was a lot of injuries. You know, like I said, certain times of the season to key players, and 
it was frustrating because if you'd have kept everyone fit, uh, we definitely would have stayed up. Uh, we could have been a lot higher and it was frustrating for the manager, frustrating for the players and obviously for the club and the city really because it's absolutely massive club. Yeah. Now, I mentioned at the top of the show, you scored quite a few goals uh, in the, especially in your second season with Wednesday. Now, when we spoke to Neil Meller, he... Um, he said he, he was a bit, I won't say annoyed, but he said that you obviously took all the penalties. Um, <laughs> now, uh, and, he, and, he, and he won them. <laughs> yeah. Now, take, I'll take him penalties. Have you, have you done that all the way through your career? I have. And it's funny you, you brought it up because Chevy Wednesday was the first time I missed one and I missed one against Charlton at all. And Elliot saved it in the bottom left-hand corner. And that was the first one I'd ever missed. And I think I was on something like, 37 or 36 out of 36. So I was on a very good record. I was just so confident going up there. I never ever practised. I just knew if I'd hit it right and got it right in the corner, the keeper wouldn't get it even if he went that side. And then I missed one against Charlton and then all of a sudden it was, wow, what's happened here? You know, a little bit of doubt now. And then the next few after that, I managed to score them. But then I went to Huddersfield, missed one and, and then Swindon, I missed one. So... But I had a good record. Overall, I had a very good record. So, so how does it work then? So you come into the club and how do you get on penalties then? How do you, uh, you get that gig? Well, I think it was, it was more the second season, wasn't it? Uh, I, I think the first, I can't remember. The first season, I think I might have missed the one against Elliot, actually, against Charlton. Um, but I'm not going to say sure. My memory's not great. Um, but Mel's was desperate for them. And I think Mel's did take them when I didn't play. Um, but I just think... I was confident and I wanted it and like I said, my record spoke for itself really and if anyone wanted to argue with me 37 out of 37, then a bit of a fool, aren't they really, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, you've already touched on it as well, like in, in that first season, you, you, when you, you said you were injured at the start and you spent quite a lot of time you know, coming off the bench and, and what have you, is that, is that not frustrating as a, as a player and you're like trying to break it into the first team? Very, because I was 30 year old um, and previous to that I looked after myself well and, and I, I continue to look after myself. I think as you get older you look after yourself better so you don't go out as many times now during the week and you're sort of looking after your body and you start doing yoga which I'd started at Ipswich and very flexible and all of a sudden I got this muscle injury in my thigh, tore my thigh and it was, it was just one thing after another, muscle injuries and then my calf um, and then I had a problem with my hamstring and I was never, ever the quickest, certainly when I was getting over 30, um, to, to pull hamstrings and to pull muscles. But it was one of them, and I, I just couldn't get a good run at it, um, which was frustrating and disappointing because all you want to do is hit the ground running and, and get off to a good start. And like I said earlier, if you miss pre-season, which I did, I was out for six, seven weeks, then you're playing catch-up, and it's, it's always tough to, to sort of make the ground up. Yeah. Now, obviously, Brian... Um but then later sacked when and Alan Irvine came in, who were a totally different kind of manager, weren't they, really, in his in his approach. He was were, were more a coach, more, more people have said, aren't they, in, in, his, in his ways that he you know managed the game. And a few people have, have mentioned about his his attention to detail as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Very, very serious. You know, he was, he was very, very sort of on the training pitch, um, he knew exactly what he wanted he got his ideas across very firmly um, and, a, and a great coach I think he hit the nail on the head and you've spoken to people previously probably and they tell you the same a top top coach uh, and yes there's a difference between coaching and managing so you're managing players obviously and you've got to sort of get the group together and the assistant manager he brought in Rob Kelly he was another one who was a top top coach really good coach and I think when you had two coaches of the same ilk sort of thing and the same quality and they're trying to do things. I wouldn't say it didn't work, but I just think it needed something to sort of separate them a little bit. Um, yeah. Both of them wanted to be on the coaching field and they loved doing that sort of uh, role. Um, but Alan Irvine, yeah, very attention to detail, you know, very... He loved his analysis, didn't he? He did. He loved everything, analysis and, and preparation and, and planning. Um, but... Now, I, I like them. I got on well with them and I, I got on well with Rob Kelly as well. You know, good blokes um, and obviously they're still in the game. Uh, as, a, as a player, what, what, do you, what do you prefer then? Do you prefer like an out-and-out manager or do you prefer that like coachy style? I think you need a, a sort of manager and a coach. 
I think. I mean, I know the modern game at the minute, you're getting all these Tuchel, for example, at Chelsea, you know, he's, he's a manager, but he loves to coach. So it maybe is revolving a little bit or changing because at Ipswich, we had Joe Royal, who, fantastic manager, did no coaching whatsoever or very little and sort of just oversaw things and would come onto the training ground and say bits. And his sidekick was Willie Donaghy, who, yeah, you know, a, a fantastic coach, Willie Donaghy. Um, so that was a good matchup, you know, and I think that, that, that's what you, that's what you need. Um, Obviously, now, now you're at Spennymore. What are you? Are you a manager? Are you a coach? Well, I've been here five years, you know, as assistant manager, uh, and the previous manager obviously left. He was here for 14 years, which was obviously an unbelievable stint, and you know, he absolute spending a legend uh, for what he's done for the club. Uh, and he never did any coaching. I did it all the coaching, and the, we had another lad who we brought in, um, Stuart Parnaby, who was an ex-player as well. He used to play for Middlesbrough, Birmingham. Uh, he comes in and he does help out as well. But it was mainly me doing this sort of coaching all the time, which. I love because I'd come out of the game, I was learning the ropes, I was trying to work my way up the ladder. Uh, and now that Jason's obviously moved aside and I'm the manager now, I'm, I'm looking to get a good coach in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, obviously, we, we, under Alan Irvine, like I said, it didn't quite go uh, according to plan. I mean, we were as high as second at one, at one point in that, in that season. I mean, what, what would you say went wrong? We were flying. I mean, we had a great start, you know, in, in the League One campaign. I think we beat Hartlepool 5 or 6 nil away. 5 nil. yeah. Some, yeah, we had some big characters, big names. Obviously, Clinton Morrison as well, you know. What were you, what were you like, Clinton? I like Clinton. I mean, I, I played against him in the past and what you see on the telly and what, you know, he, a bit mouthy, you know, and he liked it. But what a lovely lad, you know, when you're in the dressing room with him, he, he's all for it, he's all for the team. And uh, I got him really well with him. I, I liked him, you know. Uh, people get the perception of him of being a bit loud. And like I said earlier, when I played against him in the past, I was a bit, oh, Howie, come on, calm down a little bit. But good lad, good lad. Uh, yeah. So it, we got off to a great start and we just think it would continue and we just sort of dropping and dropping. And I don't know whether we picked up a few injuries along the way, but I think a club of that size as well, you've got to have the right characters because you, you've got absolutely thousands of fans travelling it. To home and away games, it's a massive, massive club in League One. And if you're playing against a, a team that's not as as big, they're obviously going to raise the game and they're going to lift their standards. And it's their cup final. And I think well, I, can at remember, times, I can remember a few away games where we'd take over like half of their ground. Like we, we'd yeah. have more fans than what than what they'd have in. <laughs> that that was the norm in League One, definitely because, like I said, I keep saying it, Chevy Wednesday is an absolutely massive club, uh, yeah. massive club, and. It's just unfortunate that it looks like they're going to be going back down to League One, which is not great. And uh, I know that the way the club's running stuff, it's it's been a nightmare season. Yeah. Um, then one thing I want to touch on as well, in that uh, second season that you were there, obviously there's quite a bit of financial trouble and, and stuff. Is that something that affects you as a player? Or I know everyone, you know, players all say like to the to the press. It doesn't affect. It's just about the game and stuff. But do you, are you thinking like, wait a minute, like I might even, not even get paid here? It can do. It can do. And everyone's different, you know. Every everyone's different. Players, characters, you know, mentally strong and mentally weak and all sorts of stuff. And so, for me, for myself, um, you try to just sort of get on with things. You know, you you get on with the football and you get on with training and you don't let things distract you. Um, other people worried, you know, worried about the future. It's on the mind all the time, concerned, they're taking it into the game, I'm not going to get paid and what's going on with the club and am I going to be getting a new contract? Everyone's different. Everyone's different. But it's, it certainly doesn't help, I think, overall, if you're looking at it from an overall point of view. Yeah, what, what were you like then? Did you just, did not really bother you or? No, I, was, I wasn't too bad. You know, I, I'm one of these, I'm very sort of easy going, quite laid back. Um, and, and just sort of get on with things and, and what will be will be and I sort of worry about it when it happens if it happens uh, which sometimes is not great but uh, sometimes it can be okay in certain situations Yeah because Alan Irvine he got, he got sacked after I think we lost 5-3 to Peterborough and I think we dropped to 13th at the at the time and then from the outside looking looking in it looked kind of like it was premeditated because Gary Megson came in almost like the next day didn't he really Straight away, yeah. He was in through the door before Alan Irvine had drove out the car park, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, that, and, that, and that's football. You never know what's around the corner. And you, 
look after number one. You, you've always got someone sort of not stabbing you in the back, but someone ready to take your job or ready to take your place. And that's the nature of football. Uh, and, and Gary obviously came in a big Sheffield Wednesday man, you know. And yeah. He, li- he lived in the same village as me, actually. Uh, so I used to see him quite a lot. Okay. Um, and again, straight talking. Um, tells you how it is. Um, it, it didn't end on the best of times with me and him. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, grudges, I don't bear grudges. And if I seen him, I'd speak to him, you know, a good man overall. Yeah. When we spoke to, to Neil Melodis, he was, he was talking about the first game, well, the first game that he came in, he weren't supposed to be in charge, were he? I don't think he was, no. I don't think he was. And he was but then he ended, the, they ended up on the sideline. Yeah, and then he ended up on the sideline from the stand or something, yeah. And I can't remember if I played again. I probably had a calf injury or something like that at the time. Um, I'm not sure if I played in his first game, but yeah, I remember that. He, he did, he ended up down the touchline. He was in the dressing room and he was, yeah, he was straight out of straight out of. Yeah, I mean, what did you what did you make of Megson? He would he wore his heart on his sleeve, didn't he? He did, you know, like I said, straight talking um, and he would tell you how it is and fiery, you know, he was fiery, you know, and which is what you need at times, at the right moments, you need someone to, to tell you. Um, and it was a strange one with myself because he made, well, he made me captain as well, so obviously very proud and to be captain of the club. And had you been tried- captain elsewhere as well? Yeah, I had. Not, not sort of on a weekly basis, but on the occasional times, you know, yeah. at Ipswich uh, and stuff like that. Um, but it was, I was coming towards the end of my contract and I think if I'd played, I think it was 30 games, I, I got a new one. Um, so I think I was on about 26 maybe. And he, he pulled me in and he just said, listen, we can't give you the, the deal you're on. Um we're going to have to try and come to an agreement uh, of a new... I want to keep you for next season, first and foremost. There will be a new contract, but we can't give you that deal. And I was, no problem, I understand and all that. I'm happy to, to stay, obviously. Love to stay. I said, don't worry, we'll sort it out at the end of the season. So there was a couple of games where I missed. And then it came to the end of the season, it went in and it was a totally different conversation. It was a sort of, we can't offer you anything. And, and obviously I was not gutted, but disappointed, really. Because yeah. he told us sort of six weeks prior that I was staying, and, and I know things change in football. Don't get me wrong, but just a bit disappointed. Yeah, we keep hearing this story of uh, Megson taking people to top at cop. Did he take you up there as well? No, I don't. No, I don't think he did. No, I, I didn't. I haven't heard that one. What, what, what is it? Tell me. So it might refresh it, me memory. Whenever, uh, whenever a new player had come in, I know obviously you. I know he came in when you were already there. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. He, he'd take everyone to top at cop. And uh, right. and and just tell everyone to turn around and look at the look at the ground and say, look, this is what fans are going to be looking at and what have you. And yeah, yeah. Uh, we we like a bit of a motivational kind of person, were you? And his, uh, his yeah, time team yeah. talks were a bit uh, a bit fruity, weren't they? They are a bit fruity. Yeah, like I said, the, the, the jacket was off, and like I said, we were getting beat, and the, the tie was off, and the buttons were loose, and it, yeah, he could go. Like I mean, I'd heard stories about him previously to come to Sheffield Wednesday when he was at Notts Forest and he liked his running. So he'd make the lads run and run and run. He was notorious for sort of long distance running and I think he did some before the the game, I think one one time on the morning of a game in Nottingham. I think running around Nottingham or what I'm led to believe. Um, so I was wary of him when he came in. Uh, but like I said, none of that when he came in, he, he was all right with me apart from how it ended, really. Yeah. Um, now, Something else we've heard about um, John Samabo and Reader Johnson. We were you oh, there yeah. when they came when they uh, when they came I to was. Lowe's? I was. Yeah. What, what, was, what was that all that like then? Oh, that was crazy. Yeah, they had a little, little bit of a. I think there might have been a tackle or something or something happened, and they've obviously started throwing punches at each other. And then John Samabo just lost it, and he was waiting in the car park and everything for him. Uh, it was, and, and John Samabo is a big lad, big lad. You know, his arms are bigger than my legs. He, he, he is a big lad. Are you, are you captain yeah. at this point as well? I think I might have been captain, actually. I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure, but... Uh, what are you, what are you uh, thinking then at the time? He's like... <laughs> well, things like this do happen, but this looked like it was very, very serious, you know, and there was, there was all sorts of threats getting made after it. And like I said, he was in the car park waiting, so we, we were trying to 
sort of getting away from the training ground, go on, get yourself home, go and sort of chill out a little bit. And he was not budging. Uh, he, he did eventually, uh, but I think that's when uh, it was pitch black, you know, it was late at night and everyone had to go home at the time. <laughs> but <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy times. Crazy times. Really? Now, obviously, we talked about Malta and uh, everyone liked a few uh, a few beers. Was that what it like in uh, during the season as well? Did you, did you like to go out down the town? Uh, I think every now and again, I mean, certain lads possibly would go out all the time. I had a family. I had two little kids, so I wasn't out as much as the others, which should I say. Uh, I know Tuesday night was a popular horn in, in Crystal. Uh, okay, I think it yeah. was in Sheffield and. I mean, Sheffield's such a big place. You, you, you've obviously got Eccles All Road that leads you into the, into the city centre. Um, and there's something going on every night of the week. So young lads living by themselves or in and around at these who've got apartments and flats, they're probably going off for a little venture and having a little wander around, easily get sucked in. And all of a sudden, they, they're in the club or they're in the nightclub and easily led, really. Um, yeah. But like I say, each to their own. Um, and that's probably how it was, yeah. Yeah. Now, another another player I want to talk a little bit about is uh, is Leon Clark. Now, as a fan, Leon Clark, I, I can remember. Um, I went. We played what we played uh, Wolves away, and um, this was before he came. And I thought, I thought to myself, and I watched him. Who's that big lump up front? He looks crap. He actually scored two goals against us that <laughs> that day, and then a couple of years later, he signed for Wednesday. Yeah. But he uh, he's a. It's a bit of a strange one, isn't it? Um, he's like attitude and things. Yeah, I mean, his attitude certainly Cherry Wednesday was, you know, up and down a lot. But in terms of ability, he had a lot. On his day, he could be unplayable. And I just yeah. think that from a consistency point of view, maybe he's, listen, we all sort of have our moments and we have, we're inconsistent at certain times of the season and, and bits and bobs. Uh, but he had the he had the lot to sort of you yeah. know left foot right foot he was strong he was good in the air you know he could hold it up he could run channels he did have the lot he had all the tools and I just think at times it was how he applied it you know probably and maybe they didn't see the best of him and he, he's gone through a few moves after that and, and done quite well and scored goals yeah uh, I mean so, one thing was frustrating I mean you didn't play in that that last game of the season in uh, in the championship he broke his foot didn't he, didn't he? Well, he, fought, he, kicked, he kicked the board, didn't he? Yeah. And that yeah. was probably him, you know. He scored a goal and he was just sort of total frustration and, yeah, red red mist. He booted this board and he, he broke his foot, yeah. And that was yeah, him. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, came off, came off at half time and I suppose in that game, the rest the rest is issue. I mean, you, yeah. that back end of that season, you, you were you injured? Is that? I was injured, yeah, again. I that, it was my hamstring. It was hamstring, thigh or calf. It was, like I say, it was a nightmare season. For the club, but from a personal point of view, for me as well. And prior to that, like I said, I never really had any injuries uh, leading up to, to coming to Sheffield. I mean, all through the years we've had, we've suffered with so many injuries. I mean, this season is exactly the same, long-term injuries and stuff. Is it just unfortunate or is there something wrong with that training ground? <laughs> I think there's something underneath that grass at the training ground. It's, uh, <laughs> it's too firm. But uh, yeah, it's it's mad, isn't it? Um, yeah. it it's, it's one of them. And listen, you get injuries at all different clubs, you know, every club will have their injuries, but they did go through a spell where they were getting a lot. Uh, so whether it was something to do with the training, whether it was something to do with the fitness side of things, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It, yeah. it's, it can be unlucky. And like I said, I was 30-year-old and never had a muscle injury and all of a sudden I think I had three or four in my time there. And that, that's life, that's football. I mean, obviously, we, we spoke at the top as well. You've played for quite a few different clubs, um, one of them being Hartlepool. And you actually scored against Hartlepool, didn't you? Uh, I did. For, she- for Sheffield Wednesday. Pelham, I, can't yeah, remember, I, think, yeah. I can't remember. I can't remember. Did you celebrate that one? No, I did, no. It was a penalty. I think we won was... two now, maybe. Or two. Yeah, it was a penalty. No, I didn't score, actually. No, I didn't. I, didn't. <laughs> I mean, uh, what, what's it like when you're playing against your former clubs? Like, you personally, what what's your... Are you just got? I know you're obviously going out there to win, but are you like thinking, "Go on, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to show these that." You know, what, yeah, what I've done. There's, a, there's a sense of that. There's a sense of that, and then there's obviously a sense of respect for, for your, your, your team and you know the supporters who used to cheer you on and stuff like that. But inside, you're sort of thinking, "Well, I'll show them they didn't want me." You know, you scored a goal, which is the best feeling in the world. You know, in terms of football, scoring a goal, there's it, no better feeling than hitting the net. 
Uh, but I, I'll quickly go over the story when I was at Sunderland and I went on loan to Preston um, and, and Preston were flying high in the championship and Sunderland was sort of mid-table under Roy Keane and um, we were playing, Preston were playing Sunderland and Roy Keane didn't put anything in the agreement and he more or less said, listen, no, you can play. So I ended up playing for Preston against Sunderland, who was my <laughs> club, which is unheard of, you know, yeah. you know Roy, Roy Keane's like, Roy Keane's Roy Keane, isn't he? So uh, not bothered. Anyway, we beat them 1-0. And when we well, when Preston scored, I've sort of celebrated a little bit. <laughs> just because I'll show Roy, you know, I'll show him yeah. that but I'm not good enough to get in. And then I think he was saying in the in the dressing room after oh, yeah, their best player was Tommy Miller, and he's one of our own. You know, and then he recalled me a week later, we we beat them. He recalled me a week later, but never really I was sub a few eyes, but I didn't really feature. But it's weird, what, weird feeling that was. What were Roy like? Is it is he quite intimidating? Yeah, a little bit. I wouldn't say he's a bully, but he sort of gives it that sort of persona. Um, he just sort of, he came in and, and ruffled a few feathers straight away and he brought a lot of players in, spent a lot of money, um, joined in with the training and, and the little keep balls and that. And if you if you sort of give it away in the keep ball, he would just give you the, the deathly stare, really. He'd just sort of look at you and as if to say, what are you doing? But his expectations were high, as he was as a player. I mean, what a player he was, wasn't he? And yeah. I think he thought that everyone should be on the same sort of level as him. Uh, yeah. But unfortunately, we we all weren't. <laughs> not many, not many are, not many are. No, no, he were he were a good he were a good player in his time, weren't he? Now, yeah. um, I was back at Sheffield Wednesday. What what were we always hear these stories about Christmas parties and stuff? What what were the Christmas party like at, at Sheffield Wednesday? Uh, we had some good trips. We had some good. Uh, we went to Dublin. Dublin oh, yeah. was. Um, Dublin's a great place for a Christmas party. You know, get all the lads together, fancy dress. Um, oh, yeah. What, like, what did you dress up as? I can't remember. You know, I mean, memory is terrible. Um, there was a theme to it as well, and I honestly can't remember. Uh, but I was rooming with, with Weaver, Nicky Weaver. And, I mean, he, he can drink. He's, he, 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 I can say he can drink. He, he puts the first few down, and, and then he's a wage, you know. And I don't think yeah. he made the night, and we sort of getting him back into the room. and but a uh, funny, funny lad. And some good times. You see other teams there as well and you sort of mingle and you mix in with them. And yeah, they are good times, special times. Yeah, good, good memories. I mean, you mentioned about, obviously, at the end of the season, um, Gary Megson didn't give you that, that deal that you were promised. Have you had any, like, got any like, bad feelings against Sheffield Wednesday or is it just, you say you're quite relaxed. Is it just like one of those things? At the time, a little bit disappointed, like I said, but you, you soon get over it um, and you, you move on. Uh, and that's what I did. Um, and then, obviously, I ended up going to Huddersfield, who were in the same league as Sheffield Wednesday, and both looking for promotion. Uh, and both got promotion that season, so it was a win-win situation for, for both of us, really. And I remember the game at Hillsborough, which was unbelievable. I mean, it was 4-4. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Rhodes scored four. Wait, uh, he scored all in goals. He's not, he hasn't been banging him in for us, has he? <laughs> they dried up a little bit as the last few years. But um, at Huddersfield, I mean, anything in and around the box, he, goal machine, you know, unbelievable goal record. And, and that day, he got four goals. And it was funny because after that after that game, we were having our Christmas party at Huddersfield. We were going to Newcastle. And, and Sheffield Wednesday, we were going to Newcastle. So uh, we were both out on the, on the same night and... Crazy, um, but no, what a game! Surreal game, and I sort of seen Gary Megson at the end. The first time I'd seen him, and he sort of shook me hand and that, and he was like, "Sort of well done." And you move on, you move on with football. Yeah. Now, um, obviously, Jamie's not with me today, but he asked me to uh, set you like, obviously coming from the northeast. Obviously, I'm guessing you aims to play for like Newcastle, Sunderland, you know, the the, the big sides. Uh, obviously, depending on who you support. Um, just like in you know in Sheffield, it's Sheffield United or Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's a bit fitting that the fact that you know you started at Hartlepool and then ended your career at, at Hartlepool, but also got the chance to play for Sunderland. He said he said that's kind of like over here that we're playing for Sheffield FC, then, then you know <laughs> yeah. then playing then playing for you know Sheffield Wednesday or United, and then going back to Sheffield FC as well. Was that was that that kind of. You know, it's like a bit, not a fairy tale, but do you know what I mean? It sounds uh, like a good story, isn't it, that you finished there as well. It is, yes. Yeah, Start my career there and, and, and Sunderland as well. Uh, we're a club I support as a kid. You know, I used to go to the games with my dad. Um, so to get the chance to play for them in my career as well was an opportunity I couldn't couldn't turn down. 
uh, and then finishing my career at Hartlepool, you know, sort of go full full circle and, and coming back to where it all started. And um, now I was, I was I was happy with, with how it started and happy with how it ended, really. Yeah. Now another another um, swan manager that you that you played under, uh, who, who, who you know used to play for Sheffield Wednesday was uh, Paolo Di Canio. Now obviously the time when he was Sheffield Wednesday, everyone knows when he pushed the referee and the rest <laughs> is history. Um, but what what was he like as a manager? What what was he? I, I get the impression that it weren't like anything you'd seen before. Unbelievable. I mean, like you just said, it was nothing I'd ever seen before. Um, I'd, I'd got a phone call. I'd left uh, Huddersfield, and they got got promoted, obviously in the playoff final. Uh, and then again, another story. Simon Grayson said, "Oh yeah, we'll look after you." Blah blah blah. And, went in and no, there's not a contract there. So again, let down slightly, but listen, that's football, move on. And I get a phone call from um, a fellow called Phil Spencer, who was Paolo Di Canio's agent at the time. And he, he, he left a voicemail message because I didn't recognise the number and it was sort of, hi, this is Phil Spencer, Paolo Di Canio's agent. We'd like you to come down to Swindon for talks with Paolo uh, this week. So I'm thinking, hang on a minute, Phil Spencer, I'm thinking location, 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 the programme I'm telling <laughs> yeah. Someone, Someone's having me on it. On the wind-up. On the wind-up. Wind so I didn't bother uh, ringing back. So they rang again the next day. I thought, best answer this. So I bet, you know what I mean? So I've answered it. And he's going, oh, it's Phil Spencer here. Blah, blah, blah. So it was, obviously it was true. Uh, we'd like you to come down to Swindon. Can you come down tomorrow? So I went down the next day. I got the train down, long way from the northeast. Um Went into his room and he's got it's him, the fitness coach, uh, the goalkeeper coach, um, and the assistant manager. So all Italian. So I sit on the chair opposite him and obviously, what a legend, what a star, what a player. So I'm sort of in awe of him really, even at 32, I think I was. And I'm looking at him and he's just sort of telling me how his teams play and, and uh, what his expectations are. And and then he come on to um, days off. He went... Uh, it's at Swindon, no days off. We we train seven days a week. And I sort of looked at him and I was like, what? He said, this English mentality, Wednesdays off, middle of the week, no chance. We train hard. We train hard. And I'm looking at him and <laughs> thinking, no, nah, no. Nah. Well, let me tell you now, he offered me a deal and I thought, great, I wanted to play for him. You know, he, he bowled me over with what he expected and his expectations. I think we went about 87 days without a day off. <laughs> and I think the day off was, was on the way back from Italy in pre-season. Um, travelling back on the Sunday and uh, that, he classed that as the deal it was it was tough but it was probably the fittest I'd been since I was maybe a, a YES player it, it, it was good it was tough but you felt the benefits and yes he, he had these mental things where he'd have you in on Sunday morning if, if the game didn't go according to plan on a Saturday and it was like 6 o'clock in the morning and you were like what's going on here his, his, his methods were mental and mad, but because we were sort of second and third in the table, we we all bought into it because it was working, you know, because we were doing well and because we were, we were up there and we're nearly at the top of the league. It was we just went along with it, uh, but you well, had to be mentally strong, or he would he would he would kill you, and he did kill a few, you know. I was about to say what what were, what were it like when he lost his rag? Oh. Well, the jacket, the tie, I, mean, I, know, I know I mentioned Gary Mixon, but this was nothing compared to that. And there'd be stuff getting flung all over the room and he was in people's faces. Uh, it was mental. I mean... What you like when it's what, happening? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing... You're trying to laugh. Not to laugh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you could have been in there or a fly on the wall, it, it, it's mental. I mean, Jim McEverly, I don't know if you... Remember Jim McEverly? He was split with Blackburn, left back, he'd switch... Yeah. Um, he was in, in the team at the time and he sort of giggled and laughed a little bit in his face. Well, obviously that was the wrong thing to do. And I thought he was just going to knock him off the chair. It was in one of the video meets. It was crazy, but he would throw things at the TV. Mental. The assistant manager would get it. He would be, he'd be sort of grabbing all of him and he'd be flinging him around and he'd be calling people donkey. He'd be going, look at this guy here, donkey. He'd have like clips of all the players from the game and he'd, he'd, he'd crucify you. He would absolutely yeah. crucify him. And that's why when he went to Sunderland, I knew if he didn't change, he wouldn't last long. Just because you had bigger egos at Sunderland, bigger characters, lads who was on a lot, a lot more money. And he couldn't yeah. treat lads there like he did at Swindon. Um, and 
It's a shame because his man management, yes, it let him down. But in terms of a coach and his ideas and his attention to detail, superb, superb, honestly. And it's just a pity that another chairman is not prepared and maybe he's given him another chance with football because I think he's still got a lot to offer. Yeah. If, you, if, you if, he, if he can tone it down a little bit, you know, in terms of his, his man management. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Gun Italy uh, on the on the pre-season. I bet, I bet when he when he mentioned that one, you were like, "Get him!" Well, let me tell you, it was different than Malta, and it certainly wasn't in the middle of Italy. It was in the <laughs> middle of the, the the we were out in the mountains somewhere. We were well out the way, and you know, I think we were about actually I think we were about twenty minutes from Lake Garda, and he would let you get a little. Uh, there was like a shuttle bus, and he would let you go into there, and you could have a walk around, but no beer. It was an ice cream. You could have an ice cream. <laughs> there was no beers. Uh, and it was the toughest pre-season in my life. But like I said earlier, it was probably the fittest I've felt um, since I was a white. Yes, the, the running you would do, I mean, it, the heat was ridiculous as well. It was about 34 degrees over there. And the running, it was, it was crazy because it was like he was just making it up. You would do like 1,200s, but you'd do like 18 of them. So it was like, it was like mental numbers. And it was like, what? you'd look at him and he would just come on, keep running. And it was, it, it was a test. He was pushing it to the limits and... But like I said, I love the guy. Fantastic bloke. I got, I got on really well with him. You mentioned um, managers like joining in with training. Did he ever join in? He didn't join in in the games, but he would join in the shooting drills at times or he would set them up for little volleys and all that. And he, he still had it. I mean, he was fit as anything. There was nothing on him. You know, he's, the shorts were rolled up so you could see his thighs. You know, he, they were oiled up. He, he looked the part. He, he just looked class. You know, he... And, and the same for how he dressed, you know, he'd come into these team meetings and you'd look at him and you'd just think, you are super cool. You know, just stuff he was wearing, he just had that image, that persona, you know, class, real class. Yeah. Now, uh, obviously, he left, didn't he? And then that, that was your kind of first foray into management, weren't it? You kind yeah. of took over uh, on a bit of a caretaker role. Did, did you ever see yourself getting into management? Is that Was that your kind of aim? Definitely. You know, I was on with my coaching badges at the time. Uh, I wasn't ready. Definitely wasn't ready. You know, and I didn't, I still wanted to play. Uh, me and another lad called Darren Ward, who was centre-half, uh, we got off the, asked to take the job for a few games and see how it went. And we were both in the team at the time, so we were both classed as player managers. So it was very hard to do both. Uh, you know, in hindsight, maybe one of us could have stepped aside and, and sort of looked on from the sidelines, you know what I mean? But we were fit. We still wanted to play. You know what I mean? We did. We would miss it if we if we'd have come out then. Uh, so we went and saw the the new owners who were coming in, and we just said, "Listen, it's not for us, really. We we, we want someone else in. You know, we 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 took it for three games, I think it was, or two or three games, and we still got too much to offer on the field. Can you get someone else in? And and, and that's what happened. You know, we weren't ready for it. Um, but it's just another club that sort of. On the decline, you know, they've got problems behind the scenes, financial problems, and such a shame, really, because it, it is a good club. So, good club. Yeah. Now, one thing I've not mentioned about your time at Sheffield Wednesday is the uh, Steel City Derby. Now, have you, how, how many derbies have you played in? Not Steel City Derby, I mean, other, other, other derbies, like, have you, have you played in many? Yeah, Sunderland and Newcastle. Um, obviously, massive derby. Um, home and away, Ipswich, Norwich. Uh, which is still a, a bit of distance between the two teams. You know, it's about an hour and ten, I think, away. But it's it's a big derby down there. You know, it, it is a big derby. Um, I'm trying to think if I've played in any. Hartlepool, Darling, then back in the day, which was very feisty. You know, um, a good derby, good games to play in. And 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 Chevy Wednesday, Chevy United. I, I didn't sort of. I came on a sub in the one at Bramall Lane uh, with yeah. about twenty minutes to go. I think so. I, I didn't really feel the, the sort of full factor of them games, you know what I mean? Because yeah. I wasn't involved as much, which was a shame because I'd watched on from the sidelines against uh, when it was at, at Hillsborough and the atmosphere and everything, you know, it's, it's ends the games you want to be part of. Big, big games. Yeah, it's, um, like, like I said, it, whenever the fixtures come out, I'm in the same league. It's always the first first one you go to. Like when we when we play United at home and you know when, when we're playing them away, then it's normally... Boxing Day, New Year, New Year's yeah. Day. Who we're playing? Who we're playing then? But yeah, it's, uh, I mean, just to, just to, to walk out of Hillsborough when when these all the you know all those fans there. I mean, I, I suppose when we're in the Championship, the, the attendances were a little bit a little bit higher. Yeah, they were good. Would, good. Would you? Uh, does it play a big part? Like in in your 
Like in your, does it like well? What I'm trying to say, does it help having having all the fans, or does it kind of? One hundred percent, one hundred percent. You need them, definitely need them. I mean, as you can see at the minute with football and the telly and, and stuff like that, it is obviously definitely not the same. It's you need fans in football, and and I'm not saying that just because oh yeah, the fans are great. Because listen, the fans can be tough. You know what I mean? And you're getting beat, and I experienced it a bit. So I know if you're getting beat every week. It is a very, very tough place and a tough environment to play in. Um, like, is it in other big clubs? You know, Chevy Wednesday, another one. It, you know, the fans, as much as... Listen, at the same time, if you're doing well, they're all over you. But if you're getting beat, it can be hard. And you've got to, but you've got to be mentally strong. And that's, and that's part of being a footballer. You know, and if you let it bother you and let it sort of get to you, then you, you shouldn't be playing the game, really. Let's be honest. You, you've got to have it both ways. You've got to take the rough with the smooth. Um, but fans back in stadiums and certainly um, being amongst it, it's needed. I mean, it's crying out for them to come back and hopefully they'll be back soon because uh, they're a big part of playing football. And, and when you're walking out and you hear them and the, the music's on and the whole build-up, it, it gets you going. You know, the adrenaline, it, it gets you going. And it, yeah. it's... Yeah, it, the, the high it's o, a great high o silver lining. high yeah. o silver lining, superb. I mean, yeah. that is up there, you know, when you're coming out and you hear that song, you hear all the fans singing, it's, I mean, just touching away from Chevy wins at the minute, Anfield, I don't think Anfield could be beat, you know, in terms of you'll never walk alone, that is a special, special place, but Sheffield Wednesday is, is not far behind, you know, when you've got all the, the Wednesday I'd sing and song, it's brilliant. So thanks for everyone for, for listening. If you have enjoyed it, then please leave a rating or a review. We'll have more of these uh, uh, every week. Uh, with all the ex-players and, and everything. So, uh, yeah, Tommy, thank you very much for your, uh, for your time and uh, really do appreciate it. No problem at all. Thanks very much and, and hopefully Sherry wins it and bounce back next year because, like you say, if they're in League One, it's, it's not great and they need to get out of there and get back to the Championship and certainly push towards the Premiership. That's what, that's what a club like that needs. Fingers crossed. Yeah, cheers, Tommy. Thank you.